On today's episode, we are alive. It's episode 24 of Magnificent. I'm Ian Fuchs, and with me as usual, my friend and yours, MacTrust.com senior editor, Mr. Chris Hauk, and wanderer of the wilderness, Mr. J. Glenn Kunzler. Good, good day to you, sirs. How's it going, man? It is going quite well, quite busy, a little bit stressful, but life moves on, right? The, okay. the world is my wilderness. I, I, I would add that. Everything's a wilderness experience when it's new, right? Sure. I just, uh, I, I know you were on a, a bit of a vacation. You went and played your ukulele in the mountains. I sure did. For about three days straight, uh, stabbed a few fish with a spear, which apparently is a thing that I can do, which uh, I guess you learn something new every day. It's also frowned upon in somebody's backyard pond. Yeah, that but... guy was pissed. Yeah, yeah they, get, they get a little pissed off down at Petco when you start stabbing the fish. <laughs> but uh, no, nonetheless, it is a good skill to have, I suppose. So did you go so... bear hunting or hunting bear or? Barely hunting, or uh, something was bare. But the world was your wilderness, so <laughs> uh, at least you're getting away from that uh, dumpster out behind the Walmart you used to be used to be at. So, uh, no, that's, I still go there every Tuesday. Ah, well, yeah, it's bread day. Ah, <laughs> uh, so anything exciting <laughs> and new? In, in your world, Chris. Ian's trying to, decide, trying to figure out what exactly he lost control of the whole damn thing. That's, I think that's the story of the, uh, what, 20 of the previous 24 episodes or something like that, is me trying to figure out, where did I derail this? Coincidentally, that's exactly how many episodes I've been a part of. Yeah, it started slipping from your hands all about middle of episode three. Yeah. So, Chris, what's new with you? Anything exciting down in southern part of the United States? Yeah, down in the down in the south. Well, you know, we got electricity all the time down here, so that's exciting. That's that's a and new the thing. plumbing works ninety five percent of the time, but not at the same time the electricity does. So it makes for interesting uh, trips to the toilet. But other than that, you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. You know, because I've I've got that Apple TV thing going on. That's that's which very I'm loving. True. And uh, there has go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, there just oh. hadn't been a lot to do with it, but, uh, uh, you know, until recently, finally got uh, connected with some developers and they gave me uh, some betas to tech, check out. And and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of cool. And uh, I'm enjoying it. And I, I, I did see on the interwebs today the GM final build, whatever, uh, the release version of the OS uh, as of today, Thursday, is available as a plug into iTunes update. Um, so I don't know what, I don't know what all's changed. I know that, I, I don't know if you have the app store on yours right now. I um, don't cause I checked it just a little while ago. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's just something they're going to hit the switch on or what, but I know the build I've got on my Apple TV right now is the same build that I saw an email about earlier today. Okay. Cause I know, like I said, I know they said the whole thing about the, uh, you get download a build from, the developer center you install it on the Apple TV and it's actually the release bundle that should have the app store in it. And I did see some developers posting screenshots there installing some apps. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, hopefully that'll get maybe that's rolling out or something. Hopefully it'll get turned on. I'm gonna keep track of it. Keep an eye on it tonight and see if it works. But uh but I have gotten to, you know, do some testing, you know, by a uh 
Well, I can't even think of that. Was it test flight? Test yeah. flight. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they've sent me some codes for that, different developers, and uh, there's some pretty cool stuff going on. It's a great little exercise program, seven minute. Uh, and of course, I'm pulling a blank on the name of every damn app I'm, I'm using right now. But uh, a little extra, couple of exercise apps that are pretty cool. Little seven minute deals where you just kind of follow along, little figure on the screen. Um, we were talking off the air earlier about uh, uh, Up Next, which uh, basically at the at this moment, this point in time in development, it basically just you tell it your favorite shows and it tell you tells you when it's on. Uh, I did talk to the developer today though, and and uh, they're uh, working on making so if you missed your scheduled program, you can just click a button and go right to the iTunes store and download it, and you know pay your dollar ninety nine for an episode. So that'll be a nice income stream for them. Um, that's other than a couple of clock apps, which, uh, like we said, you know, you could use it to uh, time how long it takes your ice cream to melt. That's about all it's good for. Or if you're just really hard of, uh, you really can't see well and you just need to stare at the giant screen to see what time it is, that'll come in handy. But, uh, really, right now, apps are right where when we went with, uh, what was it, uh, iOS 2, or what did they even call it iOS? It was before it was called iOS 2. I think it was iPhone OS or something. I don't yeah. know what it is. But, you know, when the, the first OS that allowed apps, there were a lot of match-the-diamonds games and a lot of sure. just uh, crappy apps. So I think it's going to take six months, a year. It'll be interesting to see where we're at a year from now as far as what they've done with the capabilities of the box. And uh, I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see what they finally do bring out. And I can't wait to see what's actually available tomorrow. I think there's going to be some gems out there. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really going to blow up. Um, just some stats for reference for the record. Um, Eddie Q mentioned recently that twenty, approximately 20 million Previous models of the Apple TV have been sold to date in the device's entire history. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what that number turns into over the next year um, with yeah. with the new unit starting to get into people's living rooms and uh, to gauge how popular that is and how much of an impact it makes on that aspect of their business. Sure. Well, I, I know... Um... I think it was Craig Frederighi had said, and I don't know if it was a during the announcement or after the announcement of the new Apple TV, something about the code base for it is like 95% the same as that of the iPhone and the iPad. Yeah, it doesn't so, take hardly anything to convert it. I, I saw a video where they actually, uh, a developer actually converted his iOS game to tvOS while you watched on the screen. Yeah, And it didn't take him... I mean, he probably already set some stuff up before that, but it maybe five minutes, ten minutes tops. Sure. He was running the the app on on the Apple TV. It was really cool. So it's going to be exciting to see what they can just port over quickly and still and, and get the stuff out there. So it's going to be easy to do that. Right. Well, I know like Oceanhorn, which is a, a Legend of Zelda style game. Mm -hmm. uh, a really well done game, a, by the way. A very well done game uh, for the iPhone and iPad. Uh, they've already, from what I saw on on Twitter earlier they're in the tvOS store you can download Oceanhorn on your TV um, it supports the the Bluetooth controllers or the third party you know whatever they're considering that the made for iPhone controllers mm -hmm. um, and it also supports the Siri remote so 
there are some games already making their way, some good quality games making their way there. Um, As I understand, a lot in a lot of cases, if you've already bought or downloaded the iOS version of it, you'll get the Apple TV version. In a lot of cases automatically or have it available for download sure it's like it's the universal thing so it's yeah just yeah, another laps uh so one question i want to ask you guys and this is more speculative future talk than about what we know today and what we'll know tomorrow um as far as apps go for the apple tv what do you think an acceptable price is are we are we going to see games come out right away that are free and they're going to set that really low standard, or is this a chance? I, I, I kind of say this is a chance for developers to maybe rethink their pricing uh, on games and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, people thought that might happen when the Mac App Store opened too, but it's. I mean, while there are some high-priced apps in the Mac Store, most of the stuff is like under, I'd say, ten bucks. Sure. I, I don't know, especially with casual games and, and things like you'll probably see on the Apple TV lease at first. I think ninety nine cents, a dollar ninety nine, or free, is going to be the sweet spot. I don't know. I, I just have a hard time with that. Thinking about how, you know, how again, it's it's not a console platform, but it is kind of edging towards the idea of living room gaming. That you know, if you're paying sixty dollars for the new Halo or the new Star Wars game, yes, you're not to that level, but I could easily see five to ten dollars for a game on the Apple TV. Oh, yeah, there'll definitely be those. I mean, even on, like, the PS4, I mean, games, if you download directly from Sony or, you know, buy the games on DVD, on Blu-ray, rather, uh, in the store, you know, they go forty nine fifty nine bucks. But some of the independent games are going for $5 to $10, which is a big difference down from 59 it's true. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some studios get into this and... Um kind of capitalize on that lower price to improve their cap, improve their market penetration. I wouldn't be surprised to see big studio games hitting for 20 or 30 bucks. Sure. Um, we've kind of seen this with many of the Final Fantasy titles on iOS already, for instance. That's a trend I could definitely see continuing. Yeah. When I think of, like, I bought San Andreas, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas on my iPad uh, a month or two ago, and I want to say it was on sale for five bucks and normally it goes for like eight or ten yeah so so i i think that my my hope is that developers will charge hopefully not rock bottom prices and in turn deliver some maybe higher end games because that's the other thing too is the the a lot of times the quality of the free game isn't as good it's not long-term playable you know it's like i'm gonna play this for a couple hours here or there, and then I'll never touch yeah, it while, again. While I'm waiting at the DMV or something like that, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. anything with a lot of content with, with excellent play, playability, I think it will be able to bring in 10, 20 bucks. Uh, I think it's going to have to prove itself. But it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, so uh, now that you have yours in hand, and you can, I well, guess... it's sitting on the shelf. Well, but, not in okay. hand, but you, you have it in your possession. Last time we talked, you had, you had not gotten it yet. Um what is the remote like? It works very well. It, uh, I've left it, I've left the settings on, you know, as far as the touch and everything on the defaults. And I very seldom overshoot where I'm going as far as in the menus or even entering text. It's pretty, uh, pretty reliable as far as scooting along, you know, through, 
through the uh, letters to, to enter like a password or something. Um, as far as using it to select things, the, the touchpad's excellent. I love it. I think there's going to be some really cool stuff done just using that touchpad. Um, Siri works great. You know, you speak into the remote. Um, she's still a little flaky on finding certain things. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as a first effort and, you know, there's room to improve, but, but I do like the remote. I like it a lot better than the old one. Very nice. And it, it, is the touchpad also a button? Like, can you tap down on the button? Or yes. On yes. Touch? Okay. So that is yeah, like you a can click. click that. Yeah. Okay. Cause that was something that was, there's just... definitely a, definitely a tactile click there. Okay. And that's something I was trying to figure out is, uh, you know, last time Glenn and I had talked about the gaming stuff. I wasn't sure as far as like the number of buttons you got. Um, and right. I, I thought that was the case, but I wasn't certain. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of functional buttons built in that aren't explicit. Sure. One feature I really like, I was talking about entering text with it. When I first got it a few weeks ago, I didn't have iOS 9.1 on my phone. So I had to manually tell it my Wi-Fi network, tell it the password, enter the password, you know, for iTunes and all that happy stuff. Uh, last This last time when I got the GM for the gold master of the uh, tvOS, when after I updated, I had to go through all the settings again because it reset everything. But this time I had 9.1 on my iPhone. Basically, you just tap your iPhone on the Apple TV. It asks if it can grab your settings as far as the uh, Wi-Fi. And boom, I was on Wi-Fi within a couple of seconds. It was beautiful. I think I did have to manually enter my iTunes store password. But otherwise, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, how's the battery life on there? Have you had to charge it yet? Haven't had to charge it yet. And I'll, I play with it at least an hour every day. Right. And we're, we're still talking about the Apple TV. Uh, <laughs> of course. But, but uh, you know, I, I, I've just been kind of wondering how long it would last. And so far, it's not acting weird or, or hasn't needed to charge. Uh, they're... I've still got the lightning cable that, that came with. Um, it's still wrapped up in this little three tabs that hold it into a little circle. So, And uh, does is there a way to check the status of the battery on it? Or is it kind of a surprise when it... Well, I guess you don't know what happens when it dies, but... Like no, it, let me double check here just a minute. That's something I really haven't paid attention to. Let's, let's, let's look at it real quick here. I didn't know if there was like a, a setting somewhere you could see the battery level or if there was... I doubt there's an indicator light on it itself. Yeah, as far as on the unit itself, there's not on the remote. If you go into Bluetooth settings and highlight the remote itself, it will show the battery. Okay. It's still showing, I assume, full. Either that or I really need to charge it because it's totally empty. It's all gray, let's put it that way. Um, and while we're talking about Bluetooth, it does work. I've uh, hooked up a couple external speakers to it via Bluetooth. Everything works great, sounds great. Um, the only thing I haven't been able to hook up is a keyboard, which is kind of a bummer. Now, that's something that surprises me because the Apple TV 3, 3rd gen, and 2nd gen for that matter, you could hook a Bluetooth keyboard up to it. Yeah. And it worked. Because I remember doing that with with mine. I have the the second generation, the first of the Black Pucks. Mm -hmm. um, I remember hooking up a Bluetooth keyboard because I got tired of setting it up with the you know, type in the password with the remote. And for whatever reason, I didn't use my iPhone as the remote instead where you could type it in there. Um, and so instead I had, I had paired a Bluetooth keyboard and 
it was super convenient. I just had, I would leave it sit on the, the entertainment center kind of behind the TV when I needed it, go grab it and turn it on and boom. Yeah. That's what I was planning to do. I've got a, uh, an Apple magic keyboard that I wasn't using. I still, I still use the old school, big white Bluetooth keyboard they used to sell. Sure. I just like the feel of the keys. So I had this, uh, the magic keyboard all set here, but, uh, at the point, at this moment, it won't hook up. So I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, but I've heard that a lot of keyboards won't hook up to it. So very interesting. I've heard that the new Magic Keyboard Two currently isn't able to hook up to it. Yeah. Um, if you look at the if you look at the specs on the back, it also won't currently hook up to iPad. It's currently limited only to L cap devices. The new keyboard. So far, yeah. I I. Whether they report that it can or not, I know that there are uh, several people on the interwebs who have paired the new keyboard with an iPad. Uh, oh, that's good. I believe uh, Jeff Benjamin over at iDownload Blog had posted a a brief kind of keyboard review, and he was using it on the iPad as an iPad. It's keyboard. a it's a little bit trickier um, because it's more difficult to put into pairing mode. Sure. By default, it goes it goes through that Lightning connection mm-hmm. to do its auto pairing. Um, I, th- I think it's a combination of that and also that some of the buttons aren't because it's designed to be a Mac keyboard, not an iPad keyboard that the layouts mm-hmm. are a little different or something, but yeah. Um, but that is an interesting thing. And, and, you know, we were just talking about the Siri remote, which charges over lightning and now the, the keyboard and the track, the new trackpad and the new mouse, all charge over lightning. Uh, the new beats pill that Apple just put out also charges via lightning. The first time, any mainstream audio accessory has ever done something like that. It's it's an interesting thing that, that they're choosing lightning and you know we've talked about this before. Why why not USB C as the standard for it? And I guess maybe just because when all you need to do is provide power, it makes more sense to use lightning. Yeah, and most everybody's got a lightning cable already. That's true. Yeah. The twelve up scattered throughout the, the house. Thing. So. Although the cables do appear to be slightly different in some cases. Um, for instance, this is just kind of an interesting side note. I tried to use my iPhone's lightning cable to pair the Apple keyboard, Magic Keyboard 2, to my Mac, and it wouldn't work. But the one that was included in the Apple Magic Keyboard 2 box does. So maybe it's got some hardware in it, like an authentication chip or something that allows that to happen kind of strange that lightning in and of itself is providing that capability, but apparently something either within the new cable or within the device or something like that. I don't know. And it's a Apple provided cable. Yes. Yes. There's a lightning cable in the box uh, for no, all of the new magic I, accessories. I mean the one you're using for your phone. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, it's the one that came with my six S plus. Okay. Cause I know, uh, my boss had bought or maybe his wife had bought, uh, a lightning cable uh, from like Bed Bath and Beyond <laughs> that was, you know, the three ninety nine at the checkout. But they're yeah. purple. They're so cute. Exa- oh, I think it was blue, but yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, she tried to use it with her phone and it didn't work. Can you try it with yours? I tried it. Didn't work. And he was like, why doesn't it work? And I was like, I'm pretty sure Apple discourages non-made for iPhone things with the, uh, whatever that intelligent authentication thing is inside of it. Uh-huh. So the interesting thing would be to try your, keyboard cable with your iphone now that works flawlessly okay. i have tried that so it's only a one-way problem yeah interesting 
must be something new about the authentication in those cables. That just seems strange that they wouldn't make it a universal standard. I thought they were all supposed to be the same. Maybe you got a bunk, uh, a bunk cable. It's just grim. I, I bet they will be. Um, I'll bet all the new cables going forward will have that stuff built in. But It just seems backwards. If, if so many devices are switching to Lightning, the idea that you'd have to take a cable that wasn't like, so you have a, comp- a cable at your desk that you plug your phone in with, now you have to switch that cable out for one that works with the keyboard. Now, obviously, it's a one-time switch, and then you're fine. But well, work work with the keyboard is is an interesting way to put it because it does charge the keyboard. It just won't pair it. Oh. It just won't participate in that initial pairing process, which is God. interesting. There's got to be some handshake mechanism built in there or something. Sure. I love handshake mechanisms, <laughs> especially secret handshake mechanisms. Uh, Did you guys see that there's going to be an adapter shipping with the Apple Pencil for the Lightning Cable for charging with I the Lightning did Cable? Hear that, which is very cool, but yeah. kind of pointless maybe, since you're going to be using it with the iPad Pro anyway, and it's just got a port right there. The, I don't the, know the if the I theory really see is the logic, they're, they're but... worried that people might break it off. Yeah, that's you know not get knocked off or bent it while it's plugged into the Pro. That's my concern. yeah. That's yeah. not so, cool. It's so like. If, if I, I think of it as like, so you have your iPad and you're holding it in your hand, kind of like you would uh, a, like a flipboard notebook, and you have the pencil in your hand and you're doing your drawing or your writing or whatever. That now you can take it and plug it in to charge it quick, but then it's at risk of, like you said, being bumped into. So now if you mm. can take it and put it off to the side, that certainly helps. And what I'm what I'm expecting to see come along at some point in the future, probably shortly after it ships is like a desktop dock thing that looks almost like an ink quill that you can put your oh, pencil you into. Slide it oh, in. Because, that would be cool. Because you know somebody's going to make that. Now think about this. The Apple Pencil is round. If your desk isn't perfectly level, where's that pencil going to go mm. when you set it down? So now it gives you a place to store it that's not laying flat on a desk where it can roll about, and it charges it. I Genius. think we need to mention that to Pad and Quill. You know, to make a, all of make the a accessory developers one. listening to this show, we uh, we do accept the idea of a fifty cent per unit royalty. Yeah. I'm cheap. <laughs> I'll cheap. I'll just take a couple of freebies. Yeah, just I I, I can see it already. Somebody's going to come up with that. Patent Quill would be a good brand to do it. And yeah, because it'd be beautiful wood and rich mahogany. And if they they could actually call it the Quill, the Quill, the Quill for your the pad and the Quill. Yes, actually, Quill is for the pencil, isn't it? The well. It'd have to be called the well. The well. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, enough about lightning and the rise of it as a, a peripheral. Like I said, it's it's an interesting topic, and I'm sure we'll, we'll revisit it in the future. Um, something interesting happened last weekend, and that was the first ever exclusively live-streamed football game. Uh, and it was hosted through Yahoo, uh, Yahoo, I guess, through their streaming service that they're slowly working on. Mm-hmm. Um, did either of you guys take a minute to check it out? You know, I did not. I forgot all about it until after it was all over. All right. hmm, I didn't either. Um, the, uh, the reason I want to talk about it is because this seems like the perfect opportunity to 
kind of start making that shift towards streaming live TV. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually watched the majority of the game on the Apple TV that I have, the the Apple TV 2, whatever. Um, Did it play through the Yahoo screen app? Through the Yahoo app that's built right into it. I, I clicked it open, and right there at the top, it was watch the the game. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch the game. Click play. Boom, there it was. Sweet. And it, it worked great. And And to me, it's like, this is the future of how TV needs to work. I should be able to click an app and and say watch this game and boom there it is yeah um and it started started to get me wondering if if we're going to start to see more of this stuff whether it's yahoo or somebody else that's coming out with the actual platform behind it if we're going to start to see more and more programming push towards either simulcasts through a streaming service uh and like that it they didn't charge anything for it there was i mean there was no fee but they had ads in it and it was all national ads i'm sure they got to sell them at a premium right so it it seems likely to me that we'll see more of that. And streaming services can get way better numbers on who tunes in when and how long they watch than any live TV can. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, so we the, just, the whole uh, thing is set up just, it's, I mean, they can get any kind of stats at any time. Exactly. It's, it's a, a market that I think, well, I, Yahoo wouldn't necessarily be the first company I would think of to do that, to yeah. do a, a streaming of a game. Uh, as far as I could tell, it was it was a good experience. It, it played well. I had a couple times where it got a little garbly and and buffered once or twice, but it was it was really brief, and it could have just as well been at fault of my internet and not not anything to do with Yahoo. So yeah, I get that on my on CBS or Fox when I'm watching the games, just because of my crappy cable system. Yeah still get pixelization and, you know, cutting in and out. And yeah. So it won't be a big change. I, I would love that. I would gladly pay yearly for all the NFL games to be able to watch whenever I want to. And that's what I'm thinking is like, if, if that can happen and if other TV networks can jump on board, I, you know, I keep thinking about this Apple TV apps and, yeah. and how it's going to work. And it's like, well, Apple couldn't come up with the streaming service or whatever. Well, okay, fine. Apple couldn't come up with the streaming service, but if, NBC has an app, and ABC has an app, and CBS has an app, and Fox has an app, and you know, all, at least the broadcast channels all have an app, and I can watch a live feed of whatever's happening now. It's serving me ads. Why not? Why make me sign in with the the cable subscription? Yeah. And and now you know that I'm watching your channel instead of guessing that I might be watching your channel. So. Yeah, and you know we're worried about we're not going to get a bundle from Apple. Well, aren't bundles what we bitch about through cable systems? Mm-hmm. That we have to take all these other uh, channels just to be able to get the NFL channel. Or there's a key difference here, though, between a bundle by mandate and a bundle by choice. Yeah, a but bundle bundles, by choice, bundles which started a as a discount. choice on cable. Kind of it's right, a but the slip. issue we have now is there's no a la carte option. Where when Apple does bundles, like they commonly do with multiple series movies and tv shows and things of that nature they always offer the downloads separate and as a bundle for those that want to save a little bit of money so i would expect that to continue if they decide to do something like that so you expect they're going to say okay you can just get cbs or you can just if they do bundles at all i think all of the content will also be available separately for people that don't want the full bundle well i think they'll be be, still be able to get the content episode by episode through the itunes store and all but i wonder if 
the content providers are going to say, no, you have to do the bundle so everybody gets a piece of the action all the time. I don't think Apple would sit, sit back and let that happen. They're always maybe, the maybe one that's in the drawback right now. Maybe that's why there hasn't been a deal made. And, and this could is, be. This is where I think that each each company is going to have their own app, and they'll they'll integrate it with the Siri uh, voice search API, so you can say you know what's on Fox right now, and it comes back and tells you or whatever. And so it's going to be almost like a bundle anyway, because you can have access to to everything via Siri Universal Search. Right, but but you get to pick and choose what channels you have right. and, and don't have and and maybe maybe it's not a free service maybe it's a buck for each channel a month or two dollars a channel each month you know just like magazines or itunes music or apple music mm-hmm. excuse me um that you you subscribe to the channels you want and you get the live stream of that and the channels you subscribe to and you have installed you can ask siri what's on or and they could offer an on-demand selection it actually would give them a nice chance to kind of take a stab at hulu at the same time and and maybe retain some of that uh, that they get a little bit more money out of it, retain some of that value for themselves instead of taking whatever little slice of the pie Hulu gives them, you know, out of your eight dollar a month if they charge two or three, and they're getting, you know, their seventy percent of it after Apple takes their cut, and they know exactly that you're watching our content on here, or paying for our content on here. They could offer an on demand, and like I said, they. I could easily see them doing like a build your own bundle type of concept. Um, now that pick, would be that pick, would be good. I'd pick like five to ten subscription services, and this is going to be your price. That kind of a situation. That's that's kind of what the uh, what is it? Sling TV is already doing. Yeah, is that you? You get the the initial Sling TV service for the what is it? Fifteen bucks a month or eighteen bucks a month? I don't remember how much it costs now. Uh, but you pay that that flat rate, and then you can add on like a sports package or a kids package or a movies package and it adds like three or four more channels here they have a news one and it's you know all the the you know fox news and crap like that um and so Mm -hmm. you basically get a flat package and you get to add on these other features but i the idea of bundling to me and like a force into a bundle really doesn't seem like the way to step away from this whole like cable mentality because right now you get your you know, like Chris talks about his silver package or gold package or whatever. And, yeah. and for, for dish, it's your top 100 or your top 250 or your, you know, all access or whatever they call their different service things. The idea that you could strip all of that away and say, I'm going to pick the channels I want, no need to bundle. And it's up to you to choose. I want this channel or that channel or no channels. So you could pick just to have one or to have two or to have seven or to have nine or, you know, there's no restriction on the the numbers in each bundle. That's a delightful concept, right there. So I that's how I see it going, at least, at least initially. And that's you know we talk about the future of TV and is the Apple TV the future of TV? Well, if it's apps and Apple's really pushing that it's apps, why not use the app model and say each app is its own siloed thing, and and each app gets to do its thing and they can build it how they want, they can put the features they want in it, and they can charge for it what they want. Hmm. Here's a quick little aside. Um, We just made a little bit of of interesting history. While we were talking about uh, Pat and Quill and that uh, Quill Doc concept, um, I actually pitched that off to Brian right on the air as we were speaking. So it'll be interesting to see what what, what happens there if that becomes a thing. That That could be a fun thing. Absolutely. Good. 
good on you for sending that because I would have forgotten by the end of the show. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why we do it now, so you don't forget later. Live on the air pitches. Um, So, sticking with the the theme of TV and movies and watching stuff, uh, since I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys about this since the last time we were all together and recording... I would like to know who saw the Force Awakens trailer and what everyone thought. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, so good. I have a conspiracy theory. Um, so far, you, if, you think about, if you think about all of the characters that we have and haven't seen in the trailers, there's one standout character whose face we have not seen at all so far. Mark Hamill. And <laughs> and I bet you guys can tell me who it is. Mark Hamill. Exactly. Yep. Mark Hamill. That that brings some very interesting ideas to light, right? Why have we not seen his face if he's such a key player? Unless, Do you think he's behind the mask? I think he messed around with the dark side. I think maybe <laughs> he's our villain. He got drunk on a weekend. So messed around with the dark side. I, uh, I came across a post on uh, on Medium uh, maybe a week ago. And I'll include that in the show notes. Um, but it basically breaks down how, if you look at the Return of the Jedi differently, how it actually could be that at the end, while you think that Luke is kind of the hero of the day, that actually it was him turning to the dark side. And apparently, when it was filmed back in... Chris, help me out with the year here, because I don't know what year Return of the Jedi was was actually no, uh, you're asking the wrong guy i've seen each one of them once and that's it uh, and you're i'm gonna get kicked off the podcast because i didn't even watch the <laughs> force awakens trailer until this afternoon when you supplied the link uh, yeah i'm just not that big a so it, it sci-fi guy it came out in 83 uh so five, right. five years before my time <laughs> uh, it was 83 i was drunk so i couldn't have watched it. i would have remembered if i watched so it. apparently when they were filming uh Originally, at the end, when they showed the the forest moon of Endor and the whole celebration party that's happening, and you see everybody smiling and all you know cheery about everything, apparently originally when they shot that, Luke was not there at that party, and they showed him like walking off into the desert or the wilderness alone. Whoa, and they decided that was too dark of an ending, and so they changed it, reshot that last scene with him there um but the idea that that he was at least uncertain of where he he fits in the in the the placement of the force whether he's good or evil and so i like i said i will i will throw the link in the uh the show notes for anybody who wants to read about that but it is definitely along that same lines that maybe luke is the one behind the mask and whether he's actually turned evil or just uncertain of his his place even if it was just a dabbling of the dark side it's, yeah uh, they've certainly got a bad family history going on there and he did dig up the helmet i mean we definitely saw that helmet so yeah the old vader helmet uh, and and in the in the trailer there is a really brief scene where you actually see from the side you see a robotic hand reach up and touch r2d2's head oh. um and at that moment you're it's kind of implied that maybe that robotic hand was actually our, was actually Luke's former hand that's now been robot robotized. What is the word for that? Man. Roboticized. Yeah, sure, that's the one. <laughs> uh, that, that that could be uh, 
a brief clue. And also on the movie poster, he's he's absent. Uh, but the the masked character with the robotic hand and the red uh, dagger sword thing, the crazy new lightsaber, uh, is on the movie poster. So the implication is that it could, in fact, be Mr. Hot Skywalker. damn. So... Um, like I said, link in the show notes for the the medium post. Uh, it's certainly not necessarily a credible thing or anything official. It's just somebody speculating and writing about it on the internet, but it's there. And I'll also include a link for the, the actual trailer for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. And if you haven't seen it yet, shame on you. I can't <laughs> believe we have to wait nearly two months to find out. Did, did, did you buy tickets? That's the other question. Oh, yes. You did. Yeah. Opening night tickets. There you go. I have not. I contributed to breaking the internet. Good. Chris, you uh, you bought yourself a nice set of tickets, so you can see it. Say it's there. Yeah, so to to another movie. <laughs> uh, oh, any other movie? <laughs> oh, come on. I I don't know why. I just I mean I saw the first one. What was that? Seventy nine. Um, Late seventies. Yeah. We had a theater in Indianapolis that had the best projection and had the best sound and everything. And they did it upright. I mean, they had star Wars exclusively for the entire town of Indianapolis for months. You had to go there and they, you know, everybody standing in line and they made a big deal out of it. And they had people dressed up like stormtroopers and it was fun. And I enjoyed the movie. I was like, Oh cool. It's, it's uh, you know, swashbuckling in outer space. Okay. I like it. <laughs> and, but I just didn't go back and see it 20 times. And then the other the first two sequels I saw on HBO, I think. I don't know. I just, I, I've never been huge on space. Star Trek, it was okay. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, okay. You know, I just, I'm more of a, I guess my science fiction comes in more in, in superheroes. Sure. That, that's just always been my thing. And and just to uh, set the record straight, it was 77 for A New Hope. 70, there you go, 77. Okay, sounds right. And and I I do have a recommendation for you. If you decide to go back and watch them, and this is for any listener who isn't sure uh, or hasn't seen them in a while, a uh, recommendation on the way to watch Star Wars, because this is something that I've toyed with several times. Instead of watching them either just 4, 5, and 6, the original three, or watching them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, because numbers, um, try, what they, try what they call machete order, which is watch 4 and 5, so A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and then go back and watch uh, Attack of the Clones, number two, and Revenge of the Sith, number three, and then watch number six, Return of the Jedi. Uh, the idea is that you watch the story of Luke and Han and Leia kind of all get shaped, and then at the end of um, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, you find out Darth Vader is Luke's father, and it's like, oh my god, what? That's crazy. How is that possible? And then you flash back to episode two where you're following Anakin as he's falling to the dark side through number three. And then you jump ahead to six, which starts out as Luke all dressed in dark clothes. And it's very kind of ominous. And you think maybe something's happened that's turned him or he's starting to fall to the dark side. Totally different perspective on the movie. Now there's something about that you might notice. Episode one is missing from that. That's because episode one is trash. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yes, it is. the other beauty of watching it that way is that you don't have to experience Jar Jar Binks. 
uh, other than very briefly uh, in a couple scenes, but he's not like a, a main character. Whereas episode one was was very different and very very detached from the rest of the story. So, Chris, if you're gonna go back and watch him, give it a shot. Um. Okay. <laughs> Four, five, two, three, six. Okay. Ian counts real good. I count good. Yep. Does the siphon. So that's uh I think that's all I have for, for Star Wars and TV and movie nerdery, unless either of you have anything. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um so back on the Apple type news, since we've now strayed quite a ways from that. Um a a report from The Verge from earlier this week claims that setting up a new iPhone now takes a, quote, overwhelming 45 screens, unquote. Where? And I don't know if you guys saw this article or looked through what all they're talking about. Um, But basically what it goes through is here's the activate your phones, choose your country, connect to a Wi-Fi network, sign into iCloud, set up Siri, uh, set up Touch ID, set up uh, Apple Pay, and all, all the setup process. And and they're basically saying, oh, this is a bad user experience. This is terrible. Why would anyone want to do this? And that's 45 screens. That's just ridiculous. What a bunch of trash. It's what they failed taps. to mention is that the whole process still takes five minutes or less. Well, and the, that it improves the functionality. Exactly. Right? So, so that's if you if you don't take the opportunity to train Siri from the beginning, you're kind of doing something stupid anyway. Yeah, I see. They, I see the layout here, the grid. I see they include you know the whole Touch ID setup, and it's it, just it's bullshit. all essential stuff to the experience. It's that's, another that's attempt to stir up a gate, right? Or, or you know, it must have been slow that day in the Verge offices. So, so for me, it's one of those things. I look at it, and I'm like, yeah, it it does take a lot of screens, and and for somebody who I I can't imagine somebody's in that big of a hurry. But I guess if you went into like your AT&T or your Verizon store and they were like, okay, we're going to get you set up on your new phone. Here we go. And then you tried to no, do it's, your, your it's thing. still not that big of a deal, it's, it's, right? You don't I mean, even notice it while you're doing it. And I'm, I'm a guy who does that, you know, on a, on a regular basis. I, I sell these products and I help people set them up. It's, it's almost an insignificant time investment sure. compared to previous setup and processes. I was going to say, I would, I would you barely say, notice it. As far as time goes, I would say it's actually a faster pro- pro- uh, process than, say, iOS 5 or 6 was. Right. Yeah. So so here's my take on it. Uh, I have a, a Nexus 6, the, the last year's model Nexus 6 uh, Android phone. When I set that up, it asked me two questions. What's the password for the Wi-Fi network? And what is your Gmail account? That was it. But you know what the difference is? I have no idea if or how that phone is being backed up. I It has the capability of doing uh, Android Pay through NFC or Google Wallet Pay or whatever they're calling it now. That wasn't set up. It didn't ask if I wanted to use location services. It didn't ask me to agree to any terms of using the device. Uh, yep. It didn't sign me into the App Store. Like, so, so here's here's the real question, right? 
what's a worse user experience? Exactly. Going through all of the initial setup in five minutes at once or not having half to two-thirds of the features of your phone available until you figure out, oh, yeah, I have to go back through and set that up. Or Yeah, you keep having to take five minutes out of your day each time you want to use a new feature. Oh, crap, I've got to set it up. Yeah, or the right. even worse experience of – you know, we're, we're pretty technical people. We can figure that stuff out. And you look at it and you go, how come I can't use my, my wallet pay thing on this phone? Oh, I'm going to go figure that out. Most people, if it didn't ask them to set it up, they're never going they're to not use it. Do it. Yeah. Yep. So it's, 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 an, it's then all these great technological features and advancements that are built into this device that they never touch. Right. So, so good job, Verge. Well done on that. So again, this is, <laughs> this goes back to your, your FUD a little bit. It's like, read it, understand that, yes, there are some setup steps, but also understand the, the reason behind it is so that you don't have to dig for those things ever again, in theory. Wow. How embarrassing for them. Um, kind of sort of related to that because updates and new phones kind of all fall into the same category. Uh, something that I didn't include in our, our rundown, but I did text you guys about, um, I had a coworker who asked me why her phone keeps prompting her to update and why it won't just let her leave alone or let her just leave it alone and not, not do anything. Why it won't just go away. And my response was, we'll do the update and it'll stop prompting you. And that wasn't good enough for her. So once again, I would like to know from you guys, why update your phone? It's important, right? The thing to remember about Apple's updates is that they very often contain safety and security features. They very often contain important stability enhancements. The idea of aggressively encouraging people to update to each successive version of the OS is to improve the user experience and to make exactly. sure that they're not experiencing bugs that have already been addressed. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it, it's just sad how, I mean, I know personally of one user who still had iOS seven on her, I think it was a five and she hadn't even updated to eight. God knows how many times she'd been prompted to. She didn't uh, want to do uh, an update to nine until uh, my wife told her about the new emojis that had <laughs> tacos and unicorns and middle fingers. I don't know which one appealed to her the most, but at that moment, she says, I have to update. It was The thing that, that frustrates me is when people get upset that their device isn't working right or that certain websites will no longer work on their iPhone or iPad and they're still on iOS 7, it's mm-hmm. it's... I I, I can understand people's hesitation to update because sometimes the updates do carry problems in the early stages. We've seen some of that with iOS 8. We saw quite a bit of that with iOS 9. But refusing to update because the earliest of the software updates had some problems just seems ill-advised. There's a difference between waiting a couple weeks until the bugs worked out and you get a a .01 or (coughs) update and then just totally refusing to do it because well somebody somewhere had a problem and that's that's what i tried to explain she's like well i know last year there were problems with the the update that made it so you couldn't get on wi-fi or something and i was like so so here's my recommendation to her was okay so when 8.0 comes out or 9.0 comes out or next year when 10.0 comes out don't do that one 
or wait until your friends have all done it or whatever. But when the point oh point one of that comes out, that's that's because they ironed out the kinks that weren't right in the first one. And then when yeah. you get to the point one, you know, nine point one that just came out, it's because they added new features. But I do think Apple's doing something brilliant by throwing in these new emojis and obviously the whole Unicode thing, they're just trying to get up to that same standard. Right. But by throwing in the new emojis, it gets people to do the update. Um, and I did notice with, with 9.1, uh, it was the first time that I had seen the option where it prompted me to do the update. And my two options were install update or later. And it was either remind me in an hour or do the update tonight, which is mm -hmm. what I chose. And then oh, yeah, yeah. I fell asleep next morning. My phone is updated and ready to go, which was super cool because then you don't have to remember to do it. You don't have to take time out of your normal day to do it. You don't have to, you know, put your phone down or not have it did, accessible for that 20 did minutes. Did it turn off yeah. your alarm? Um, I think. I don't know. I use, I had my watch set as the alarm. Let's say I think some people are reporting that it turns off the alarm. Here is that when Apple comes out with a software update, they don't do it just because that's fun for them. They work on those updates for the benefit of the customer to improve the security and stability and reliability of the device, to add new features as they become available, to keep it up to modern standards. It's really for the customer's interest and for the customer's benefit. Because let's be honest, Apple gets nothing out of those updates. They're doing that strictly to improve the user experience. Exactly. Although, uh, was it 8.1 or 8.2 when the Apple Watch app showed up? So they did get something out of that because they got that that ever-present ever advertisement on anybody's phone mm -hmm. who's not using an Apple Watch, Chris. But generally speaking, <laughs> they're not benefiting from the updates nearly so much as the consumer is. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, moral of the story, do the update, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Um, other news. Um, so I'm a little irritated by this next little bit. Verizon is upping the price of their unlimited data for anybody who's still on unlimited data. And damn it, I've tried so hard for so long to keep unlimited data. And I think they've finally gotten themselves to a position where I might actually drop it. That's what they were going for. And that's it, it was 30 bucks a line for unlimited data, but if you did an upgrade, you couldn't keep it. You had to switch to one of their tiered plans. And it, as of November, uh, middle of November, 13th, 16th, somewhere in there, uh, they are upping the price from $30 to $50 for unlimited per line. Jesus. Uh, so that my, my bill would go up for my wife and I up by 40 bucks. And I logged into my account the other day to start pricing it out to figure out what what data plan we would need and everything else. And I got a little prompt, uh, which I'll include a link to in the show notes as well. Um, but it basically said, hey, here's how here's what's happening. We're upping the price of data. Uh, it's going up by 20 bucks. If you have a line that's in contract, which both of ours are technically in contract, uh, but we still have the unlimited data whole workaround thing. If you want to know more, find me on Twitter. Uh, but basically what we did was uh, upgraded a different line with that line's upgrade. And it basically says, oh, if your line's in contract, that price increase will not happen until the contract is up. So I have another year of unlimited data. And then I have to make the switch, I guess. 
Hmm. So it's kind of kind of bit of bull, but I guess it's time. Well, how much data do you actually use per month is a bigger question. I think the two of us together are are at a point where our data usage, if we switch to the tiered data right now, um, we would be at the price point that is ultimately a break-even with what we're paying now. Hmm. But that's assuming that nothing changes about our data usage. Do you get rolled over with Verizon? No, we do not. No. Hmm. So, so there, there are a couple little things in there where I'm like, if I had a light month, I don't, I'm not too worried about it. But if I have, like, if we travel, there's always more data usage when we travel because that's just how, how it is with GPS, with listening to whatever we're listening to in the car. You know, I end up surfing the internet in the car or tethering to my computer to do work or whatever it is. So, it's, it's just at that line where I'm not sure. So, I'm, my hope is that in the next year, ooh, uh, my hope is that in the next year something changes with the price breakdown, and maybe they they drop all the plans by twenty dollars, or they give you a little more data for that price, and then I'll I'll, I'll make the switch. So, just something I wanted to throw. Oh. Out there. lost them all you were doing fine oh. <laughs> running the show <laughs> apparently <laughs> i'm a t-mobile customer so uh, yeah. you left yeah. us speechless with your dazzling brilliance yes here. you were very verbose and amazingly <laughs> concise at the same time minus all of that <laughs> you were verbosely <laughs> concise yeah um so moving off of off of uh carriers and their scammy tactics and whatever um nintendo announced yesterday last night wednesday night yeah their first ios uh game is a word i don't know if i want to use for this experience but we'll call it an ios game um but it has uh kind of got people excited about the idea of nintendo and ios that whole thing and the the app will will be called uh is it Mitomo? Mitomo. Is that actually what it is? Mitomo? Mitomo, yes. M M double I T O M O. Yeah, so if it's pronounced like the Mies were on the Wii. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally underwhelmed by it. I d I, uh... I don't understand its point. Because so the, the the premise of it is basically you create your me, which is your profile your avatar your digital digital version of you yeah just like they used to do on the wii right um and that you put them out in this world and that with this mitomo thing you basically like it's almost like a social network built into a game kind of is how i understood it so yeah. you like make friends in the game and like talk with them through your app through, the, through and, your meme. and and then your little avatars can talk to each other without you having to be present or something that i understand uh Hmm. And and the it's, I think the idea is supposed to be that it ultimately sinks in with like the Wii U, and that like if you're playing a game and you need help on a level, that you could use this Mitomo to find somebody else to come play the game or something. I don't I don't really understand what its its point is. 
Yeah, Nintendo is supposed to. Is, is, they also announced a Nintendo account membership service. That's going to connect PC, Nintendo hardware, and smartphone users. I think and, that's almost the more significant of the announcements. Yeah, because it's going to allow game data transfers between all the different platforms. So yeah, you may be able to well, play the same game on all the different platforms, pick up where you left off. More than that, I think it's going to bolster the ways that their digital purchases have been working. Previously, those purchases have been tied to a device, a single device, and it's very, very difficult if your device breaks or if you decide to upgrade to a newer device or replace that device for a collector's device, uh, any of the above, because your purchased games could be at risk if you don't do it perfectly correctly. So I think this is going to help alleviate that as well with tying those purchases in a little bit more accurate and usable way to that person instead of the device. Um, they certainly haven't had that figured out nearly as well as the competition, such as such as Sony and, and other icons in the past, uh, maybe this is their first step towards correcting their mobile purchase platform. Sure. The part of it that doesn't make sense to me is, you know, they, they made such an emphasis in their little announcement about how this was going to connect PC and console, which I, I understand both of those Nintendo games on the PC. I guess I don't know of any Nintendo games on the PC, but I understand PC gaming for Nintendo as like a way they could do games. Uh, the console thing makes perfect sense. They have consoles. The part that didn't make sense to me was the smartphone because they've been very, very adamant about not having created any smartphone games. And then they announce this service that connects into the smartphone, and then what they announce as a game isn't even really a game. And they were very kind of um, non-specific, non-direct about what kind of games it would actually see. From what I saw, and at least. And any time they have commented on it, they've taken pains to, to mention that the experience on the smartphone is different, so they need to program for it, they need to develop for it, and, and it won't be the same type of games that you see on the consoles or on your PC. So I don't know how they'll even, like you said, how they'll even connect that. Which, to me, seems kind of like total BS, because you can play Mario on a smartphone with no problems whatsoever. So... Yeah, yeah. Um, I've uh, I've used plenty of emulators like ex that. Exactly. So and it works great. So to me, it it doesn't make sense, and it also it, it makes leaves the the open ended question of if they do a smartphone game, will they also at some point maybe do an Apple TV game? Because that the whole Wii concept seems like a perfect fit for the Apple TV. See, that's what I want. I want to see that. And and that even the the simple things like you know. Uh, like the what is it? Is it Hot Shot Golf or whatever, where you have the little golf thing or all the Wii Sports things? Mm -hmm. Those all make perfect sense on an Apple TV. But oh, instead, yeah. Nintendo's gonna gonna drag their feet, and this this Beat Sports that's coming out on Apple TV is gonna be the thing that that replaces well, it. They're so afraid they're going to not sell you some hardware too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want the games to be so good that you no longer need to have that Wii or that Wii U or the, what's the next one? NX. Yeah, the NX. I mean, they they still want to be able to push those boxes out the door. 
So I don't know. They're going to have to. They're not going to be able to stay on both sides of the line. They're going to have to do something. I think they're going to have to admit that maybe their console days are gone, at least as far as a, a production of hardware. I mean, Sega eventually had to do that. They finally gave up. And then they took on the App Store, and they made games for the App Store. Right, they do very and, well. And they're, they're great games. They, they've made some of the classics. They've made Sonic games. They've made um, some of, some newer-type games. I can't think of any offhand, but I know they've made some newer games. So it just... And they've been missing. able to take their console games, move them right over to the iOS platform, and they haven't lost a step. Exactly. And and so I think it really shows kind of the, I don't know if it's unawareness or the uh, stubbornness of Nintendo. They're just stubborn and pompous. They've always been on top. Well, In the last couple of generations, they haven't been. Nintendo, mm-hmm. you're not on top yeah. anymore. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you have fallen from there. Off the horse. Surprise! Or not. Happens to the best of them. So one... One more thing, maybe? That we'll talk Ooh, about? He said one more thing. Ooh, What's going to happen? One more oh, thing. Oh. Chris, <laughs> would you please share with us uh, a last-minute Halloween costume for all of our lovely listeners? Well, yes. It's a lovely retro idea. We've got it out. We'll have a link in the show notes to, to Mattress where we talked about it last week. It uh, The idea is, uh, I'm sure everybody remembers, even if they weren't alive when it was first shown, first and only time it was shown, the 1984 Mac commercial, Macintosh commercial, with the, uh, the uh, lady in the track suit or the track shorts running and throwing the hammer at Big Brother, the big screen brother. Um, some nice people called uh, their size is called carbon costume. They actually have taken the pains to go out on the web and find at least some decent replicas of everything she wore in the, uh, the commercial up to, and including the uh, very short orange shorts and the sledgehammer prop. Um, all in all, it's going to cost you about, what's that look like, about 150 bucks maybe after taxes? And the shoes are the big killer in there, right? The shoes are the killer. It's $95, $95 for the Supra Sky Top sneakers in orange. Um, probably the best buy, the one I really want out of the whole thing, is the logo white tank top. I don't know if the world's ready for me in a tank top or not, but That's for 18 right. bucks, it's a pretty good buy. It's got the retro uh, Apple logo on it, so it's not exactly like what she wore. I think she just had a plain white shirt, didn't she? Yeah, I think so. Seems like it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if if it'll keep just a few people from dressing up as the slutty nurse or the slutty librarian again this year, I think it's worth it to check out. And and for anybody who's looking for a way to modify this, to slut it up a little bit, uh, you can always just make the, the tank top like a, a crop top. Yeah, or, you know... Uh, you know, your your local Hooters waitress probably has a, a set of orange sh- short shorts, the tight short shorts that uh, no. she'll happily sell you. So, um, laundered or unlaundered. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> According to whether or not you want chicken grease on them, that's what I was talking about. And with that, our rating goes straight to PG thirteen. Oh, it's been there for a long time. Oh, come <laughs> on. Ah, uh, so. 150 bucks get you the 1984 Macintosh runner costume. It's not a or it'll get you a new Apple TV. Or new Apple, Apple your, TV. Your call. Your that's, call. That's true. Um, so 
with that, Glenn, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip the last thing you added to the notes because we're, uh, we're reaching on time. Unless you want to make it your something of the week because that's what time it is. It's time for the something of the week. We'll get it there for next week. There you go. Perfect. Um, Chris, tell us what your something of the week is. I think we've already mentioned it, so I won't take too much time. Uh, it's the Apple TV, of course. I'm in love with it. It's a great little box. Um, and I can't wait to see tomorrow when we wake up. It'll be like Christmas with the App Store and all the fun things I could spend money on or get free. Um, so, And if anybody would like their Apple TV app reviewed, that's chris at mactrass.com. Uh, we'll be glad to take any and all submissions to check those out. There you go. And you'll include uh, links to those things, I assume, when you post your review. Here's the apps you tried out. Here's the apps you liked, whatever. I most certainly will. Perfect. They'll go right, in, right to the App Store, and they can download them, and everybody will be happy. Boom. Mr. Glenn, tell us about your, your favorite new things this week. I've, I've got um, four things, but really Holy two crap. overarching things. <laughs> um, the, the two things, first and foremost, the new... Supergirl series on CBS. Um, it's it's very 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 well done. I thoroughly enjoyed the first episode. I love that it doesn't push too hard at the existing DC Superman universe, although it does have some interesting parallels. Um, since Kara is is Kent's cousin, and Kent is very aware of her, but. They don't really share any screen time, their stories don't collide, and they're certainly not competing characters. I think they've done a very, very good job on that aspect, making them very, very separate characters. But most of all, it's just really, really fun to watch. It's kind of a coming-of-age type story, but for somebody with incredible powers. Um, uh, it actually convinced me to subscribe to CBS All Access for the six bucks a month. I subscribed largely just so that I could stream that show, because uh, and definitely worth six bucks even for for just that pilot episode. I think um, exceptionally well done. Can't wait to see where they take the series. The I, I like how is, they've got the uh, all the the Kryptonian criminals escape from the Phantom Zone. They're on Earth now. And oh, she's gonna so cool. To, she's gonna have to track them down. And uh, but like you said. She's kind of learning how to use her powers. She's had them all the time, but like for the last ten years, she's just tried to fit in. I suspect I mean, she, Big Brother's gonna, uh, or, or cousin, I guess in this case, is going to make an appearance at some point because some of these guys are pretty intense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole girl power vibe and everything. It's it's really good. If anybody you know hasn't seen it, uh, definitely check it on the video on demand. It's great. My second something of the week, and we've already touched on these a little bit, is Apple's new Magic accessories. The new Magic Mouse, the new Magic Trackpad 2, and the new Magic Keyboard. Um, there's not a whole lot different from Apple's previous generation of Magic accessories, with the exception of the trackpad. The trackpad does quite a few new things. It's got a larger surface area. Uh, a much smoother surface to glide on, and most importantly, perhaps, Force Touch, which has been implemented really, really well on the device. My only rub is that it's now $130, where it used to be a $70 product. I'm still kind of choking on whether that's justified, um, but the cost of tactics is still pretty high, so I guess it's something we're going to have to accept for a while. But long story short... 
they all charge now. They don't require batteries, um, at least not swappable batteries. They all charge using the Lightning, and they all auto-pair to any Mac running El Capitan using Lightning, which is a fantastic idea, and they all look pretty amazing sitting next to each other on a desk. So Apple's done a pretty phenomenal job on those, and they all last at least an estimated month or longer on their built-in batteries, which is pretty great. Very nice. I tried the uh, the whole gamut when I was at the Apple Store uh, last week. the The trackpad was the only thing I really had interest in, and it's a beautiful trackpad. I love the white surface versus the aluminum. I, surface. I like that it's wider. I like the white. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the angle of it, but other than that, that's uh, that's my only gripe with it. Yeah, the typing angle on the keyboard's not quite as nice, but it's easy to get used to. Sure. Not every keyboard's a little different, right? Got to got to adjust mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, my something of the week is an app called Productive. It's an iPhone app, and it is kind of a uh, habit builder slash to do task uh, weekly reminder or daily reminder app. Um, and I've been using it now for a couple of weeks, and I have I have things in it like. Uh, take a break, um, put the trash out, take my allergy pill because I'm stupid allergies around here. Um, and you can schedule it to say, you know, every morning I want to do this task, every afternoon I want to do this task or every Monday I need to do this task. And so you can build some things in. So some of those things that people use their normal calendar for, um, you can now put in here instead of having a thing that's on your calendar that comes up every day or whatever. And, you know, clutters your calendar with stuff that are little reminders. And then it has things like stats to say, you know, you checked everything off today. So kind of like the Apple watch filling your rings, you check everything off and now it's a goal completed or a day completed and you try to get days in a row. And so it's a little bit of a gamified uh, task and habit tracker. And like I said, I've been using it now for a couple of weeks. Uh, I like it a lot and it's, it's a free app in the app store. Uh, it does have a three ninety nine in app purchase if you want to have more than five unique tasks, um, but you can get a very good feel for how the app works for free. Um, so I really like it, and I've been using it a lot. Very good. So you will, of course, include a link to that I in the show notes. We'll absolutely include a link to that in the show notes, which can be found. Uh, at magnificentpodcast.com slash 24. If you have questions about anything we talked about or want to give us a follow, go ahead and uh, hit us up over at at magnificentfm on Twitter, or you can tweet with the hashtag askmagnificent if you feel so inclined. Uh, you can leave us a rating review in iTunes because it tells us you care and it makes us all feel happy. Uh, as usual, my thanks to Chris and Glenn for for being here. And being awesome and telling me all about the cool things they're doing right now. Or something. It's always <laughs> or, fun to be a part or, of. Or watching on TV. Or, or whatever. Whatever. Or, or didn't watch 30 years ago. Exactly. Uh, if people want to find you guys on the interwebs, where would you prefer they look? Uh, I would prefer they look, you know, on playboy.com or something. But since I'm not there, I'm on com, of course, every freaking day. And also on the Twitterverse, it's C-L-H-A-U-K, C-L-H-A-U-K at, or at C-L. Try it backwards, try it forwards, who goes? Somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, hard to, I'm hard to miss, so keep an eye out.
Leanne, where will we find you? I can be found on the Twitter machine at the Glenja. Um, that's that's my primary hunt. There you go. I am on Twitter as always, every day, multiple times a day at Ian Fuchs. I A N F U C H S. And with that, uh, the H is important. Remember the H. Always remember the H. Easily mistaken for another word that your fingers may know how to type very well, but F U C H S. Right back at you. Yeah. With that. <laughs> bye, everybody. Later. Bye bye. I never hide it, or let it swing free.